0: Welcome the Peter to the right Report listeners. Welcome to Report readers. I'm Mark Cook. This is the Computer Report podcast. I switched it up a little bit, guys. What do you think about that?
2: Hey, you got to keep people on your toes, you know. Sometimes you got to make adjustments or halftime adjustments. And, uh, you know, that's how, that's how you keep the world spinning. You got to keep it you fresh.
0: Adjustments. Boy, there's a word that... Um, that we can talk about a lot today. First of all, we want to thank everybody who has joined in on the live broadcast. We are available on YouTube. Uh, Go to our YouTube Pewter Report TV page, just to Google. You can find us and you can subscribe. And then you'll get notifications when we're getting ready to go live so you can join the conversation. Uh, Also, you can submit your questions. Basically, today's is going to be a reader and viewer podcast is we're going to be answering a lot of your questions about yesterday or last night's game which um, which was not very good John and I had a chance to vent last night Um, I woke up this morning things really hadn't changed it was still as miserable and as bad as I thought it was the night before I have not been brave enough to rewatch the game I don't know that I will rewatch the game there's not a lot to see from this football game that I want to ever see again and in the uh, Monday mailbag. Somebody asked, you know, how does this how does this team get over this game? And I said, you burn the tape. You just burn the tape. You yeah. go in this morning, meaning Monday morning, and uh, you watch it, and you see where the mistakes were, and then you set it on fire out on one of the practice fields, have a little séance, and pretend it never happened because you can't allow last night's game to affect this week's game because if there's any hangover whatsoever, with the Buccaneers will 100% lose to the Carolina Panthers. They've got to get this out of their system and um, and move on to the Panthers. Matt, I'm going to ask you, and then we'll go to Taylor. Just uh, give us just a few seconds here, just your general thoughts on that game. I'm sure it's not going to be any different than what John and I said last night, but give you guys an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts on on what happened and, um, and, and how they can correct things moving forward. I mean, it was super frustrating. I, I tweeted right before the
2: game that I, you know, I was happy for Bucks fans because they haven't gotten to see their team play in a big game in a big moment on primetime football like this. You know, they had first place on the line, and they just came out absolutely flat again, kind of like they did against the Giants uh, in the Giants game on Monday night. And I think the biggest issue really is is that they struggled on both sides of the ball you know it wasn't just like the offense wasn't doing their thing and the defense kept them in the game both t- both sides of the ball were just absolutely horrific and that might be a little extreme to say that but when when you see what went on and they you know they kept making mistakes that they that you saw in week 1 against the saints like that was the key to this game was not turning the ball over and they turned the ball over multiple times even when the defense was able to get some turnovers against the Saints, which we haven't really seen. I just, to see them struggle so much on such a big stage, it's like, are they ready to take that next step? Because I know we're we're nine weeks into it, and the excuse for a very long time for the offense has been, you know, they didn't have an offseason to work together and, and gain chemistry, and now here we are, and they've had streaks, obviously, when they got things together, but at times it just, it feels like that we're, you know, putting a square peg in a round hole. This offense doesn't have an identity yet, and that's concerning. But at the end of the day, they're still six and three, and there's a lot of football left ahead. So, just very frustrating overall.
0: Yeah, there there is a lot of football left ahead, and and uh, but but you're right. I mean, the the time for excuses are over. I mean, what what uh, what is this football team offensively? And we have to we have to remind everybody that. As you said, Matt, this team is still six and three, and let's not forget they were a top five offense and top five defense coming into this game. So, with all of the uh, inconsistency and different things like that, this is a team that was averaging thirty points a game. Um, You know, that was one of the best defenses in the NFL. They've struggled a little bit the last couple weeks, and um, so we, you know, we've got to keep that in perspective. But here's the deal: last night was an opportunity to make a statement. Last night should have been a playoff game feeling, right? The players Mm -hmm. should have went into that game as if, you know, win or go home. And I say that because knowing if they lose and they get swept by the Saints, winning the division is going to be nearly impossible when you look at the Buccaneers' schedule and you look at the Saints' schedule coming up. So they should have had a playoff mentality. The difference is the Saints have been to the playoffs. They understand these things. The Buccaneers haven't been to the playoffs since 2007, Taylor, you were like four years old when that happened. So, yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, so they've got to develop that. And I don't know where it's going to come from. I, I mentioned earlier uh, when we were chatting with with Scott and everybody in our group chat that this has a feeling of when the Eagles just had the Buccaneers' numbers uh, number when, when Tony Dungy was the head coach. And they just couldn't beat the Eagles. And it took John Gruden. And really... The start of that game if people remember that nfc championship game the start was not good there was a, a long kickoff return right off the bat uh and 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 the eagles jumped out on top 7-0 and everybody said here we go again and it took a, a long pass from joe juravicious to kind of turn things around i don't know where that comes from i don't know you know when that happens if these teams get a chance to face each other in the playoffs this year or if the buccaneers are going to have to wait until next season for a shot at redemption but I don't know where that that big play or that big mentality change is going to come from because right now it's uh, it's definitely uh, a situation where the Saints just uh, they just dominate and the Saints went into that game knowing they were going to win that football game. I think the Buccaneers went into it saying maybe hopefully if we play well and uh, that's a recipe for disaster when you play a team that's as confident as the Saints. They just uh, they just are not a good matchup for the Buccaneers right now with, with, with when you look at the two teams. Taylor, your your general thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, you said it. Um, it's just that the Bucks came into this game, and this was their biggest game of the season. I mean, it's really fun to go up against an undefeated Packers team that's having so much success on offense and dominate them on both sides of the ball, win big, walk in the next week and dominate the Raiders just like they did the Packers. But you know what? Despite the fact that the Bucs have looked really, really good this season, coming into last night, with the exception of a primetime game in Chicago where they stumbled, a week one game against the Saints where you could kind of chalk it up to we didn't have any preseason. The Saints have had our number. They're extremely talented. The Bucs have looked better than the Saints have this season. The only two games that the Saints have won by more than one score was against the Bucks. They have a one-score victory against Carolina. They have a one-score victory against the Chargers in overtime with a rookie QB. They have a one-score win against the Lions. They, they lost to the Packers. They lost to the Raiders. They have a one-score win over the Bears, if I'm naming off their schedule correctly. So coming into this game, the Bucs had looked like the better team all season, and last night was the moment to prove it. It was Sunday night football. The whole world was watching. It was you versus the team that you had a narrow lead in in the division that you have not beat since 2018, that has had your number, that stepped into week one when you had all the Rob Gronkowski hype, all the Tom Brady hype, all the new team hype and already embarrassed you in week one. And this team, I mean, we've said that the Giants game wasn't the end of the world. And I'm going to say it this game isn't the end of the world. Like you guys said, they're still six and three. They can still make a run at the playoffs. But I mean, this had a feeling of 56 to 14 against Atlanta a few years ago on Thursday night. There was not a point. And th- last night was ESPN tweeted this. Last night was Tom Brady's 333rd career start, and it was the first time in his career that his team had gone three and out on four straight drives. Conversely, the Saints walked right down the field, scored touchdowns on four of their first five drives, and the only reason they didn't score a touchdown on five consecutive drives to start the game was because Jared Cook fumbled the ball on the two-yard line. Give some props to Jordan Whitehead, Devin White, for knocking that ball out, but we've seen Jared Cook have problems holding onto the ball before so he basically gifted the bucks one excuse otherwise it was five touchdowns on five drives when the Bucs couldn't even put i mean first downs when did they have their first down the third or fourth drive of the game i mean fifth drive of the game that's didn't happen that's, until uh, the second quarter yeah i mean it they mm-hmm. they got beat in every facet of the game and i'm not saying it's the end of the world but like it's a really bad look in the biggest game of your season
2: and that's why I, I said it in, in the most impressive. And you know, Taylor, you and I have only been covering the team for a couple seasons now. Mark, you've you've covered them for a long time. Scott has covered them for a long time. I think because of the talent that this team has and the potential and our expectations of them, that was the worst game that I've ever seen covering the Bucks. Just from where we think this team should be, was, was just like I was like almost yeah. dumb at it at one point. You know, when you're writing most impressive, By like middle of the third quarter, fourth quarter, you kind of have a general of idea of who you're going to put on that list. And I'm sitting watching this game thinking like, I don't even know who I'm going to put on this list because no one on either side of the ball was worthy of really making the list, except for, you know, creating some uh, turnovers. Shout out to Kevin J Lorden, who said uh, they made a statement talking about the bucks. We're not ready. I think that poses a good question of we've ranked the bucks a lot. The, the Bucs are still a good team, but I don't think they're a great team. I mean, when it, you look at their three losses, it's been the Saints twice and and the Bears as well. We've given a lot of praise to the Bucs offensive line for keeping Tom Brady upright for most games. But when they faced tough defenses, they have struggled. And I, I left this game thinking like, man, they really missed Ali Marpet because we know that um, Haig and, and Donovan Smith struggled on the on the left-hand side but it
1: seemed like the same didn't play too hot either, to be yeah. fair.
2: Yeah, and it, like you, you go back to the Bears game, and they were constantly around Tom Brady. And and you look at this game as well. And once again, they were constantly in Tom Brady's face, causing bad passes, causing th- the turnovers. And when the schedule moves on and the calendar gets to January, when you make the playoffs, unless <laughs> you get the first wild card and you end up playing the wh- whoever wins the NFC East, you're going to play teams with very good defenses. And right now, when the Bucs have gone on, gone up against some of the better defensive teams in the league, they have struggled. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about putting a square peg in a round hole. They got to figure things out, and um, they got to figure things out quick. I'm, I'm getting a little tired of like, well, we haven't had a lot of time to work together. Every team's in the same boat. Yeah, not every single team has a new quarterback coming in, but eventually those those aren't good enough excuses anymore.
0: All right. Listen, this is live, right? So things happen yeah. when we're live. I, I'm an idiot and totally forgot about my 620 WDAE appointment that I have every Monday at 410. <laughs> of course, WDAE is a proud sponsor or a proud partner with pewterreport.com. So I'm going to bow out for about five or ten minutes. You guys take over the conversation. We've got a lot of questions in the uh, question bar right now. So you guys answer some of those questions. I'll be back in just a few minutes as soon as I get done with 620. Unless you guys wanted to see me like do my interview live on 620, but that probably <laughs> that would, be would something. not be. That would not be probably very good for the podcast. So i to turn your radio to
1: 620 now. Listen to us no, both. No,
0: no, don't what do both? that. Don't do that. Well, well, <laughs> my gosh, how do I, yeah, I want us to do good, but we have to do the good for them as well. So I'll be right back. Uh, you guys keep going on again. A lot of good questions in, in the chat right now.
1: Okay. Well, we're going to make an adjustment. So the next question we have up here, what could the offense do better? I mean, I think, really, they need to get started quicker. We've seen too many games this season where Bruce Aaron said it. You go three and out, you give up a touchdown. It's complimentary football in the worst possible way to start games. We saw them start that way against Chicago. We saw them start that way against Green Bay. We've seen them do it. Actually, the first Saints game, they went right down the field and scored, and yeah. were able to get a stop. But we've seen it against the Giants. It's just not how you play winning football. Trevor Sykema... Longtime friend of the pod, Love long-time friend of Peter Report. Last night, it's all fun in games when you're running the ball on second and 10 and giving up drives saying it's early until you're down 28-0 to in the second quarter. Now, this is the NFL. It's hard to win. You cannot give up drives. Bruce Arians said it when they went down 28-0. to You're only going to get so many possessions in the game, and you need to take advantage of those. Now, last night, it's really tough. When you go down 28-0 to zero in the second quarter, you're going to have a game where you're going to run the ball four times all game, and that's not optimal because then, guys, it turns into a game against the Packers where you're able to send the pressure, you're able to defensively set the tone, you're able to throw everything you have at that quarterback, and now we've seen it doesn't matter if it's Tom Brady, it doesn't matter if it's Aaron Rodgers, when you're able to sit back and tee off, it's not going to be easy as an offense. So I think that the offense really needs to get back to the drawing board figure out how to be more efficient in games. You can't start this slow and expect to beat teams like the Saints that are going to pounce on those early opportunities. It's just not going to happen. It's funny, too, because
2: I, I was thinking of John early in the game because the Bucks started out like they were running play action. And all John has been calling for is like, let's run play action. And obviously, yeah. when you're down so much, you don't. Run the ball, and you know John has also has been saying like why why are they running so much? I I was just so confused, and again this <laughs> this kind of goes back to something else John was talking about where they were manufacturing touches for Ronald Jones in the passing game, which we all know Ronald Jones is a liability in yeah. the passing game. They have to get their superstars involved. I, I I've been saying for a couple of weeks now, just whether in writing or, or talking to fans and, and friends who are watching the Bucks, this um. This offense is just so different when uh, Chris Godwin is playing. Yeah, Major, like, he's, a, he's a locomotive. He just makes the offense go. And you can see that Brady's so comfortable with him. And I know he played yesterday, but and he was making catches. But it still seems like dealing with that finger, it, it's a little more of an issue than we kind of just thought. Like, okay, he'll, he'll play on Sunday. They got to do something to get Mike Evans involved. If he's one of the best receivers in the game, which we all think he is, at least I do. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, the I understand from time to time it can happen where he's not involved as much and he's not getting targets. And, and Bruce Aaron said in his press conference today that Mike was open. They weren't just throwing him the ball. But there's you can't have the excuse that Mike Evans isn't involved in the game at all until later in the game when it's out of hand. And this goes back to you know, Mike is a is a downfield guy. That's where he makes his plays. He's not really a slant guy. He's not a uh, possession receiver like Michael Thomas, how people like to accuse him of that. Yeah. They have to get him the ball one way or another. He's one of the best receivers on this team. I'm not saying he has to get over 1,000 yards because that's going to be in jeopardy, but he leads the team in touchdowns. He's super important to this offense, especially when Chris Godwin isn't playing or isn't at 100%. Get him the ball. Or at least if you're not going to get him the ball, figure out an identity because the Bucks have been saying for weeks, Bruce Andrews has been saying for since he got here, that the Bucs are a, that they're a, a run team and they're going to run the ball. And again, when you went down by so much you can't run the ball, but even when they do have leads, they're just, something's not right in the run game. They, they had that good stretch um, going back to, you know, when, when Ronald Jones had three, one hundred yard games in a row. But since then, the, the running game has gone back to being stagnant and, and kind of what it was last season. So, I think the biggest thing is either get Mike Evans involved or figure out what your identity is on offense because they can't keep going like this for another five or six weeks when they're playing some of the best teams in the league and you know expect to win these games.
1: I'd have to look back. One thing that I think is an issue is Jameis Winston was so confident in Mike Evans that he was willing to throw the ball to him regardless of the situation, regardless of Mike Evans where he was. He would trust that he would make a 50-50 catch, He would be open behind the cornerback. Mike Evans doesn't separate as well as other. He's not going to separate as well as Antonio Brown. He's not going to separate as well as Chris Godwin. And I think the thing that you're going to see with Tom Brady is he is is capable of making deep passes to Mike Evans. He's capable of throwing tight window throws. But the problem lies in I don't think he's comfortable making 5, 10, 12 passes a game to Mike Evans when he doesn't have separation. So it becomes, how do you get him involved? We've seen Brady has no problem going deep. We saw in Carolina when they had that little cover two beater, when he was in the slot, when he went into that post route, he hit Mike Evans for 50 yards. Mike Evans had a great run after the catch. That is something that I think they have to do, is find a way, whether that's moving him into the slot and trying to get him open over the middle of the field and things like cover two coverages, cover four coverages, but... You cannot just expect Brady to throw deep balls and Mike's not going to run drag routes. He's not going to be sitting there in mesh concepts. He's not going to be running those. So it's finding a way to get him open with what he does best when he's really a deep ball vertical receiver. Who's never going to, I don't think create as much separation as Brady wants to be a consistent target for him. So, I mean, that's tough. Yeah. I I feel like question. We can change it, but It's just so tough to see what Mike Evans, you know, his struggles. But, I mean, it's not like he's drawn out of the game plan or anything. He entered this week tied for the league lead with seven touchdowns, the difference being two of his touchdowns came from the one-yard line, two of his touchdowns Mm. came from the two-yard line, one came from the six, one came from the eight, and one came from the 23-yard line. So I don't think Mike is going to be a guy that's ever going to get, really, unless it's a special week where he's popping off, Ten targets, 150 yards. I mean, ten catches, 150 yards. But he is going to have weeks where he has 40 yards and two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I just think uh, I'm, I'm a little. I'm getting tired of the Richard, whole. Richard
1: Mike
2: did so get targeted last night. What's up?
1: He said, "Um, Richard said, um, Mike Evans didn't get targeted last night. He did." Not as frequently as people may want, but he did. He got right. targeted, they did in targeted the him first twice the first time.
2: in the end zone when they had first and goal. Uh, I do want to talk about the other side of the ball as well because they were equally as responsible for uh, the very embarrassing loss for the Bucs. Horace the Great says, Fear lost the game. Play fearless on D and keep Brady clean so he doesn't fear for his life. That's all. I think that's kind of been a running topic that – you could almost date back to after the Chargers game because the the Bucks while they won the game in the first half the defense got beat on some deep balls and i think uh early in the third quarter too uh the Chargers beat them deep and we've seen that kind of come up here and there again to the Bears game and even the, the Giants game the Bucks have made pedestrian quarterbacks look very good because it looks like that they are afraid to lose on the deep ball and get beat deep the issue though in my opinion is that the bucks corners are best when they're playing man-to-man when they get to be aggressive when they get to kind of fight one-on-one with the receivers and so to come out and run a defense where you're not blitzing where the bucks blitz they're one of the highest blitzing teams in the league and a major part of their success has been with getting sacks has been from the blitz. They haven't been getting to the quarterback no. as much just pass rushing they with cannot the get pressure with
1: four to say and,
2: and that's yeah and it's that's frustrating to say when you have Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett out on the edge. So when that's your game plan against Drew Brees who this year he's the guy that's kind of looked scared like he's fearing to throw the ball farther than 15 yards. So to go in and set up that type of defense a lot of people are saying that Drew Brees is going to retire this year when, when the season's done. He might play another season if he if he keeps yeah. having games against the Bucks. He knows he Bucks. gets to go up against this twice a year. So I agree with that. That um there's a little bit of fear for the Bucks defense. What do you think, Taylor?
1: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I'm I mean, this has been pounded into the ground. But why are you running zone defense? Why are you running off coverage? That's exactly what the Saints want you to do. They want you to rush four. They want you to play zone. Drew Brees is going to get rid of the ball. Last night, he didn't even have to get rid of it quick. He had to just sit there. He had time because the Bucs can't get pressure with four against one of the best offensive lines in the league that the Saints have, and he has all day to let guys like Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, these aren't pedestrian wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders has been in this league for a decade producing. He's got Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield, and I think he only had – you know, nine yards on six targets out of the backfield, but he's an extreme weapon. I think the Bucs really made made an effort to stop Kamara's damage, and that's about the only thing they succeeded on was limiting Kamara's damage. But I mean, Drew Brees, we know, doesn't have the arm strength. Why are you scared to let him throw the ball forty yards downfield? Last night, the Bucks allowed thirty-eight points. They allowed touchdowns on four of their five drives to start the game. And it should have been five out of five. So at that point, what are you scared of? Are you scared Michael Thomas is going to get, is going to beat Sean Murphy bunting for 75 yards? Let it happen. Who cares when you're down 28 to zero? You've got to get something started. Why would you? We know we've seen it happen. The Bucks drafted Carlton Davis. They drafted, well, I guess this staff didn't draft Carlton Davis, but he fits it perfectly. They have two, they have two cornerbacks who are gigantic. Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are huge. Jamel Dean looks like a freaking linebacker when you look at him. They're both over six foot. Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean both run 4-4 speed. They are built to be in man coverage. You can't run it every down. You need to put them in off coverage sometime. You can't go all or nothing. But it is endlessly frustrating to not only watch the defense play a way they aren't built to play, but play the way they aren't built to play against a team that is built to beat the way you're playing. Like, it doesn't make sense from the Bucks personnel standpoint. It doesn't make sense for who they're trying to counter. Nothing about the defensive game plan made sense. And, and Bruce even admitted to it after the game. Our plan was to run zone coverage and get home with four. They haven't gotten home with four all year. They couldn't do it against the Giants, who have a terrible offensive line. Why mm. would you think you could do that against the Saints and Drew Brees? It makes no sense. And I still have confidence in Todd Bowles, but this is like the epitome of... Of stubbornness from the coaching position, on both sides of the ball. Yes, that's the
2: key word right there is stubborn. I I agree with that tenfold, and obviously, like they're the coaches, they're getting paid to do their job. But and and um, I do think I, I understand like you don't want to get deep, beat deep, but I would rather have a team that gets beat every now and then because they're playing aggressive than it than a team that has been playing the way that the Bucks have played defense. Over the last two weeks, I understand you got to scout your opponent. You watch the film and you see, like, okay, this is where they execute. This is how we want to stop them, whatever. But I do think at times you just got to go with your gut and realize, hey, this is our style of defense. This is what we do very well, and we're going to stick with that. And if we lose because they're able to beat us at our best, then hats off to them. But I don't think that's going to happen very often. When uh, if if the Bucks play their style of defense. Raymond, you know, you know, yeah, who was
1: scared for their defense to get beat deep, you know, who was terrified of that? Uh, uh yeah, I know, uh, yeah, I knew you're gonna say Mike. We Smith. watched him put cornerbacks, we watched him put Carlton Davis, we watched him put um, uh, Brent Grimes. I've tried to push that name out of my mind, he had a couple good years in Tampa. Don't act like his whole time here was trash fans, I know you want to, but <laughs> we watched him put Brent Grimes and Carlton Davis and Vernon Hargreaves 10 yards off the line because he was so freaking afraid of 60-yard touchdowns that he would give up four 15-yard passes until they scored. And how did that work out? That was atrocious. And I know you have to plan per game. I know everything is a per-week basis. You can't just say, we're going to run press man coverage and throw six men at the quarterback every single play. But you cannot, you cannot do what you did last night, especially against a team like New Orleans. I shout out to Raymond
2: Pena. He said, shouldn't change your defense. If it's top five defense should have blitzed all game. They are still a top five defense. And again, I I do want to reiterate whether it's offense and defense, we all have a bad taste in our mouth because they lost so handily and so badly with so much on the line and first place. But let's not forget this team is still six and three. Uh, They're in a wild card position. They're very well on their way to making the playoffs. And they do have a lot of time to figure it out. And I also think, like, come on, Bucks fans. The team you rooted for has not been very good for a very long time. At this point last year, you would have loved to know that in 2020, I mean, all of 2020 has been terrible with, with coronavirus, with the exception of the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup and the race had their success. But if you were looking at the 2020 Bucks season and you saw that they were six and three after nine games, you would be pumped. You would be ecstatic right yeah. now. So let's not act like the the sky is falling. With that said, I think one of my favorite things about the Bucks defense is when they're sending Devin White and they're sending Levante David and uh, going and blitzing through the through the A gap. That's one of my favorite things, and um, we didn't really see that too much. Bruce Arians said that they tried it four or five times, and uh, Devin White just didn't get home. We'll have to watch a tape and see see what's going on with that. But the the lack of blitzing was surprising head scratching and um just uh, that's on Todd Bowles I mean it's his game plan the, if he didn't want to call it I'm sure he has his reasons but that's what's that is what has made the Bucks good this season it's strong coverage from the corners getting up on the receiver and blitzing to get sacks on the quarterback and we didn't see either of that
1: I would well, like back, to touch on this real quick before yeah, i go back my good friend Mark back I would like to touch on this from Brian real quick this is the key to overreacting. Right? I said last week when you stumble against a Giants team and you pull out an ugly win, it's not the end of the world. I said it on this podcast early. When you stumble and you get embarrassed by the Saints in week 9 in the biggest game of your season, does it suck? Yes. Are the is the team pissed off? Are the fans pissed off? Yes. Is it the end of the world? No. You are 6 and 3. You say record means nothing if you lose to teams that matter. Tell that to the Giants when they were 9-7. and They got a wild card spot. They rattled off a few wins. JPP was there, and he's talked about it this season, and they beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. It Record absolutely matters. It sucks when you lose to teams like the Saints twice in a season. It sucks when you stumble against Chicago on Thursday night. But when you make it to the playoffs, this is the NFL. Anything can happen. It takes teams to get hot, but if you don't make it to the playoffs, nothing matters. That's the goal, and that's step 1. So record does matter, and as much as last night sucks, being 6 and 3 is a hell of a lot better than being 2 and 7 right now with 2 wins over the Saints or 3 and 6 with with 2 wins over the Saints and the Packers. Because then you don't even have a snowball's chance in hell of doing anything later on in the year. Just wanted to touch on that.
0: Well, thank you for touching on that. You know what I want to touch on besides What's you, that? Taylor? Is this is, going to be a manscaped ad? No, no. I'm going to manscape you at another time, but but we're going to skip that for now. What I do want to do is let people know that if they're smarter than we are in their predictions, which if you looked at my prediction, I was way off, uh, you can make some money by being smart with your knowledge of sports. Late fall college football, uh, UFC, it's clear that 2020 has been a year unlike any other, which is why you need a sports book with offers unlike any other. Get some skin in the game, my bookie, where odds a boost, a lightning deal, and free bets await all season long. And listen, with Turkey Day right around the corner, there's no better time to feast, feast on some NFL action. There's going to be some good games on thanksgiving day of course whether you're a first-time customer or you've been playing with MyBookie for years there's no shortage shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines unique prop bets and contests that are offered every single week sign up now or get reloaded find an edge make your bets get paid make money earn some christmas money maybe you lost your job whatever hey become a full-time gambler at mybookie.ag I'm not sure if that's a good idea. But anyway, they also boast a full-fledged casino platform, give you access to all the classic table games, slots, card games that you'd expect to find at your local casino. The best part is, my bookie, the doors never close. You can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Now, make the right place. Sign up today with my bookie. And when you do, use the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, to get your deposit matched halfway all the way up to $1,000. I'm from Plant City. I'm not real smart, but that tells me if I put $1,000 in, they're going to give me an extra $500, which means I'll start with $1,500. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match another $100 in your account. And if you're planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. Use promo code Pewter when you sign up. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come in and join the fun. Win some cash while you're at it. MyBookie. Uh, We appreciate those guys being sponsors of the pewter report podcast. I'll I just want to, go ahead.
2: I just want to uh give a shameless plug real quick. My uh weekly segment, betting the bucks. I went five and two this week, so make sure you're following my picks
0: and uh, you will be a richer man or woman because of it. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Use Matt's picks, go to my bookie, make money. You can probably quit your job soon if that's the case, if you if you do as well as Matt says that you're doing. Uh, or it says that he's, he's doing. But uh, that's a good article. I enjoy that on Saturdays. One other Thank thing, you. let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Our good friends at Briar Greaves, we know there's a hurricane or a tropical system out in the Gulf of Mexico right now. Nobody knows exactly where it's going to go. Um, but you want to get make sure that you're covered. There's still a couple other storms I just saw today out in the Atlantic Basin. We don't know where those are going to go. Hurricane season is not over. You need to protect your property, and the best place to do that is with Briar Greaves Insurance. Briar Greaves and his son Sam have been in business. Uh, the company's been in business for over 30 years. Three generations of Greaves have been serving tampa bay's insurance needs for over 30 years go check them out the best part is it doesn't matter what type of insurance you need whether it be home auto boat life flood commercial personal lines they can take care of it there are a lot of companies out there that are getting rid of homeowners policies in the state of florida briar greaves has tons of lines to check to find out who's still available who can insure you and here's what i would do even if you've got a current policy Even if you've got a renter's policy, whatever type of insurance policy you have, why not just give them a call? It's free to give them a call and let them compare and shop around. People sometimes just forget. You get your insurance company or you get your homeowners. It's built into your mortgage payment and the escrow. You don't even think about it anymore. If you found out that you could save $500 a year and you've been overpaying for the last I don't know, five years, that's $2,500. Again, Plant City Math tells me that that's correct. $2,500 that you could be putting towards my bookie or your girlfriend or your wife or both. Who knows? Briar Greaves, give them a call today. 813 876 4166. Again, 813-876-4166. They are open right now. I don't even care if you get off the podcast. I want you to call Briar Greaves. If you don't do it today, promise me you'll go do it first thing in the morning and let them find you the insurance that you need. Anyway, I want to apologize for having to jump off. That was my error. I forgot that I have a weekly scheduled appearance on 620 WDAE every Monday at 4:10. Scott is on in the mornings. Then on Friday, I'm on in the mornings and Scott is on in the afternoons. We also want to remind everybody to subscribe. Go to our YouTube page and uh, it's Pewter Report TV. You can just Google it, you'll find us. That's how I have to do it. And uh, you can click the subscribe button and you'll get notifications sent to your phone uh, or your computer, whatever it is, to let you know when we're getting ready to join uh, or we're getting ready to broadcast live. So make sure to do that appreciate all the people who have already went and subscribed uh it's very convenient and uh you'll be glad that you did and we'll really appreciate it as well uh lots of questions still coming in um matt mr hewitt says let me click on this here so people can see it as well uh mr hewitt says uh, no draw plays or screens yeah that's something this team hasn't done i hope you guys haven't answered this question by the way but uh, no, no yeah, draw no. plays or screens it's it's something that You know, you wonder about the problem is, in my opinion, again, I'm not as smart as as some of these film watcher guys and and, and grading companies and things like that. Certainly not as smart as Byron Leftwich or or Bruce Arians, but I still know they have the personnel to really run screens very effectively. Um, Number one, you have to have a fairly athletic offensive line. Um, I, I'm going to go back to when I coached high school football, it's not easy to get the timing down on a screen, right? Now these guys are all professionals. It's something you have to work on, but we've seen teams that do it very effectively. And when you have problems protecting the passer, uh, it's a good thing to do. Now, the Buccaneers did try to run one last night. What happens? Gets tipped, intercepted. So, you know, there have been a few attempts here and there, but they just don't have, in my opinion, um, the perfect offensive line to run screens, but also, the running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. I like Ronald Jones. Not I good. like Leonard Fournette running the football, but I don't remember them, and they, I'm sure they have, and somebody will point it out, but I don't remember them breaking a tackle after a pass in the open field. They just don't make guys miss. Uh, and, and you know, a four-yard gain is better than a no-yard gain, but you sure would like to see some of those screen plays turn into 15, 20-yard gains. Um, that would certainly help out the offensive line if they were able to do that, but um, I just don't know that they are, they're built personnel-wise to be a great screen team certainly um you know with the current group of offensive line and more importantly the current group of of uh, running backs that they have
1: well one thing that confuses me and we've seen it a number of times this year is when you manufacture screens to Rob Gronkowski yeah that's what i don't get why are you why i've been begging them since week 1 to just manufacture touches to Scotty Miller I know that he's the fastest guy on the team. Sometimes he's the fastest freaking guy on the entire football field. So get the ball into his hands sometimes on an end around. Get it to him on a drag route and let him get into space if you can identify man coverage. Let him have the ball on a bubble screen and just run on first down. You're probably going to run the ball for two yards against a seven-man box with Ronald Jones anyway. Why not give it to Scotty Miller and risk a one-yard loss? We see enough of those running the ball. We see enough of those on their screen passes to Gronk. Get it to guys like Scotty Miller. Get it to guys like Chris Godwin, who are big yak guys, who are strong guys, who break tackles and make – I'm not saying that Scotty Miller is going to break tackles, but he might make a guy miss. He might outrun someone to the boundary and get eight yards, get 10 yards, best case, get 15, 20, keep going. So I don't understand why you are so dedicated to getting the ball in manufactured screens like – to guys like Rob Gronkowski when he's not twenty seven anymore, Rob Gronkowski I still think is a phenomenal talent, but he you have so much talent and speed on this team, just find ways to use them more effectively. And I don't I think that's something they've struggled with that season.
0: Terrence Davis says, "What are your thoughts about the Buccaneers running so many long developing routes last night?" John talked about that in the postgame uh, thing that you know again when you when you have a, a physical defensive line that, that is doesn't match up well with your offensive line, you've got to cut those routes down some. I mean, you just can't expect Tom Brady to sit back there. He's not a very mobile guy. I would say he's less mobile than Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees just has a knack of, of just stepping one way or the other and avoiding it and seemed to have eyes in the back of his head at times. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly on with teams that – you know that have a great pass rush. I don't think it was a big deal against the Giants and in and, and, and the Raiders a couple of weeks ago. Um, but if you're if you're struggling early, you know why not run more shorter routes, um, you know rub routes, uh, crossing routes, things like that. I just don't really understand it. I think that's where um, clearly Byron All- Byron left, which was was out coached by Sean Payton. I'm sorry, by Dennis Allen last night. They, whatever Byron did do, if he did try and make any adjustments um Dennis Allen and, and the Saints had a had an answer for it but they certainly have to you know Tom can't just sit back there all day long against defensive lines like the Saints who we know are going to get pressure we saw yeah. it in week one and, and we saw it again yesterday it was only three sacks but he was hit a number of times and and I'm worried about him you know surviving this year if there's more games like it was last night and listen Carolina they, they're they not stupid. They're going to see exactly what the Saints did last night, and uh, they're going to have that exact same game plan, and they've got some guys up front that can also get to the quarterback as well, so they're going to have to be better on Sunday. Buccaneers, absolutely, want the, uh, yeah. the Buccaneers absolutely have to win this football game Sunday. I, I think that this could be a disaster if they lose against the Panthers because then you've got the Rams and the Chiefs coming in. You've still got the Falcons who are playing decently. Uh, better offensively, two more games against them. The Vikings seem to have kind of found their stride. Now that Dalvin Cook is back healthy again, they're playing better defensively as well. And uh, It's and- crazy
2: like how much better they are just yeah. when Dalvin Cook is in the game. I mean, he's, oh, not,
0: unbelievable.
2: he's not having good games. He's having like unreal
0: games of like four yards, win yards win last win win night, yesterday.
1: arguably the most explosive running back in the NFL. Unbelievable. I think like, I mean, you could make a, entire offense. He hasn't, you know, he's had injuries obviously,
2: which will hold him back. But I mean, you could kind of make a case that he should be at least in the conversation for MVP. I mean, the things that he's done over the last two weeks, it's obviously, it's probably going to go to a quarterback and probably Russell Wilson is still in the lead, even yeah. though Tom Brady had a great chance to cut into that, that yeah. MVP race. If he, if he had a good game, but uh, that was not the case. No, I honestly am
1: getting a little ahead of myself, but I can't wait to set up the Raheem Morris dirt cutter revenge game. I don't know (laughs) why just looking ahead in the schedule. I can't wait. Raheem Morris and dirt cutter. Just they probably just sit around and sip whiskey and just, and are just waiting, waiting for the week they get to play the Bucks.
0: Yep. No, I'm with you on that. Hey, we got a uh, super chat gizmo Snyder. If I'm pronouncing that right. uh, Joined in and, and, and all he wanted to say was this is rock bottom fellas. No, it's not. We're going to talk you off the ledge, Gizmo Snyder. It's not rock bottom. It's the worst we've seen in a long time. But I don't think that it's rock bottom. I've watched this football team. I was... Seven years old when me and my dad sat down. I watched my first Bucks game. It was like in December of 77. It had just happened to be the against the Saints, and they won their very first game in franchise history. And I thought to myself, oh, this is a pretty good football team. I'll, I'll be a fan of these guys. And, uh, well, for 40-plus years since then, I've uh, I've got ulcers. As you can see, I've got gray hair in the beard. They tend to do that to you a little bit. It's certainly not rock bottom. Rock bottom was a 10-game losing streak with Raheem Morris in 2011. Rock bottom was... Uh, Back to back, two and fourteen seasons with Lehman Bennett in '85 and '86. Uh, Rock bottom was zero and twenty six to start the franchise. So there's been worse games, Uh, but on a national platform, on a stage from a number one overall pick, with so many, so many things on the line last night, and with this amount of talent, yes, this was a devastating loss, and it does rank up there high in, in in franchise history. But it's not rock bottom because if the Buccaneers go to Carolina and they win. Then things are, are back normal. The Rams don't scare me as much as they did a couple of years ago. Not at they, all. The Buccaneers beat them last year. Um, yeah, at Los Angeles, I, I think the Buccaneers have a good chance to win that game. The Chiefs, as good as they are, they're not unbeatable. Carolina took them to the wire last night or yesterday, and they've lost the to the Raiders, who the Bucks have also beaten this The year, Chargers have so. taken them to and, the wire? And
1: the, and the Patriots, Patriots played awesome.
2: against them very well, too, with um, yeah. like Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham as their quarterback. Right. So. I, 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 The Chiefs' defense is does not scare me as much. Obviously, Mahomes is Mahomes, and he's great. But I think that defense is is certainly beatable if the Bucs can get their own offense together.
0: Yeah, it's going to come down, though. That, I mean, like I said it last night with John, and I've said it on this podcast a hundred times over the last few years since we've been doing it. Football is really a basic thing. I mean, if you can block better and you can tackle better, you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning. And, and yesterday or last night, the Buccaneers were just poor. Really, in both of those errors and areas, and it's no big shock when you don't tackle and you don't block very well that you get destroyed, thirty-eight to three. Let's find a few more comments before we get out of here. Um, let's see here. Um, honestly, I think the Raiders game is only the only passable graded game for Byron Leftwich. I don't know if if that's the case. I mean, again, that's something I wrote about in the mailbag today, guys. Is you know, people are all over the coaches and it was just terrible yesterday. There was not a coach that, that was worth their salary on Sunday night. But just a few weeks ago, we were talking about Todd Barrett, Todd Bowles and where he was going to be coaching next year after they <laughs> completely destroyed the Packers. The Packers looked just as bad as the Buccaneers after the first quarter. Uh, than the Buccaneers did last night and they've bounced back pretty good. So the Buccaneers have to do kind of like what the Packers are doing. They're still leading their division, but um Yeah, I mean that's um, that's that's you know, I don't I don't wanna beat up Byron. I mean, Byron has had his share of of questionable calls. The talent has kind of covered that up a little bit. Yesterday or last night was the first time I think that it was really he was really exposed where he was really one hundred percent outcoached. And Let's face it, Sean Payton's been doing this a long time with the right. Breeze. So you gotta give him yeah. a little bit of a pass there, which you would have expected. Um, you know, a little bit more competitive <laughs> a, game. A By- to lose. Byron Lefwich has kind of
2: taken Donovan Smith's place as like the number one guy that the Bucks fans like to the blame for when the offense doesn't yeah. do well.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody else here, Charles Abrams. Is that I say that? Abraham Abraham. Abrahams. Uh, so is the only way to mask Devin's Devin White's liability coverage to blitz him every play? Yes. He's just not very good in yeah, pass coverage. Yeah, you go back to that Giants game,
2: the the one touchdown where he was in coverage. It, it was a great thrown ball by uh, by Daniel Jones, but like that one specifically sticks out to me. But then you know he what, Matt, I, I
0: think that was some of it, that was probably as as good a coverage as we've seen from him. It just was a fluky play that they caught. He was at yeah, least fair. there. You know what I mean? No, he didn't get his head turned around. He could have possibly intercepted the ball if he did. That wasn't the worst coverage, but yes, it does stand out because you know the Giants <laughs> the, the, jumped the, out the problem, to a, to a the lead. The
2: problem is is uh in in training camp he's going up against running backs the bucks running backs who can't catch yeah. the ball at all so he's he's not uh he's not able to get those refs in against you know top talent in uh in pass coverage
1: yeah I mean Devin what? White had three pass rush snaps last night three what say that again Devin, I was reading Devin White had three pass rush snaps last night per PFF.
0: Hmm.
1: three yeah and that's, that's I mean I guess He, I'd have to look back, but like we said, I think they really put an effort into limiting um, Alvin Kamara, and I think that's probably where a lot of his snaps went in addition to having some help, but not great. Not great. We've seen as athletic as Devin White is, as good as he is, he's at his best when he's chasing the quarterback, and I know that's not exactly what you want when you draft an inside linebacker at number five, you want a guy to step in and be Levante David immediately, but that's just the way it is.
0: Yep. No, I'm I'm with you there. That's uh, not
1: enough. I mean, I, I agree with you. That's not enough. He's going to have his struggles. He, but um, I think I'm trying to think of uh, who was it? Uh, Mike was on with uh, John last week from PFF, and he said when you have a supremely talented and supremely athletic linebacker, you're also going to ask him to do more. And that doesn't necessarily mean because he's so athletic, because he's so talented that he's capable of doing more. So you might need – like last year, when Devin uh, Devin White, he had that little injury, they took the green sticker off his helmet. They wanted him to step up and be the captain and be the signal caller right away. When they took that green sticker off his helmet, he played a hell of a lot better down the stretch of the season. So maybe you just need to cut things back, maybe take a few things off his plate and let him do what he does best. Don't make him try and do – As Matt said, square peg, round hole, don't make them do it. Saints pass
0: rushers played like they wanted to knock Brady's head off. You're absolutely right. They played violently, they played mean, and they out physical the Buccaneers' offensive line. That's not even a question. Uh, This is a good comment here from one of our readers, Raymond Pina. Did I say that right? I have no idea. Sorry, Raymond. We'll just call you RP. You guys like JPP dropping into coverage? (laughs) No, No, absolutely I I can't. Now, no. I can't stand it. I don't like to see him or Shaq back in pass coverage. Again, it's it's the wrinkles that the Buccaneers do, and it almost worked out, like we said, for an interception for JPP last night because Drew Brees wasn't expecting to do that, and uh, and, he, and he got underneath on a ball that, that, you know, who knows if things turn around if he makes that catch. But here's something I've always said, and I think you guys will agree with. When teams are moving the ball, and a team has an opportunity for a turnover, whether it's a fumble that bounces out of bounds or uh, an interception that's dropped. Offenses almost always make the defenses pay. I knew when, that's that, when I he feel, dropped right? that pass, I, I was feel, like, eh, they're going to score right here. And, and of course, they went down, and I believe that's the score. They did score. I don't think that's the Jared Cook fumble drive. It might had, be, but...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, ch- there's an 80% chance they scored.
0: Yeah, yeah, They definitely, scored every so. drive, pretty much. Uh, Dragon Lope says there's four easy wins on the schedule everybody stop panicking name me the four well you
2: got the falcons twice not easy the, there's no I, e- there's no saying, easy
0: I'm... games
1: in, this N- right. in the nfl there's just i'm not. just saying I last week no easy games
2: i guess i'm trying to assume what
1: yeah.
0: dragon Lope yeah. is <laughs> yeah. uh, probably, probably, probably those the two the lions and yeah Lions. The, uh,
1: maybe they call the panthers is that the possibly. game they're calling easy or, or the what Vikings. team what
0: team's dragon Lope? tell us yeah, see if he can jump in there. Um, let's see what else that we have. Um, bum, bum, bum. we got to wrap up pretty soon, guys. But uh, let's try and get a couple more questions in here. Let's see who else haven't we went to. I don't want to keep going with the same people. But I really appreciate all of the great comments and the participation from all our readers. Again, want to remind everybody, if you haven't done it yet, to go to our page and subscribe. Also, um, you know, set it up
1: where you get the notifications as well um hmm. and like the video if you're watching us right now like the video if you're watching us and you are not subscribed go subscribe hit the little bell in the corner get the notifications like the video takes five seconds to do all of those things combined go do it for us you'd be a huge help to pr we love you guys show us some love back you guys already do joining us in here go hit that subscribe button go like the videos
0: is that paneling behind me Is? No, is it's that, do you uh, yeah.
1: My house is it's, like wood, like like. It's it's an older house. Oh, so it's like w- wood board by board. Is there like shag
0: carpeting on the uh, floor too? No, no,
1: we do have laminate flooring. We do have laminate oh, wow. flooring, but it's an old house. I think um, Scott said the other day when I was on the podcast that someone asked if I was broadcasting from 1970. No, <laughs> I'm broadca- broadcasting from closer to I think 1946 when this house was built. So, oh, that's
0: cool. I like old houses. So,
1: I'm, um, I'm like half Taylor, uh, half ghost, broadcasting from the past. So,
0: all right, yeah, we got them right. Falcons, Panthers, Lions. That was Dragon Lopes, um games. Two against the Panthers. I'm sorry, two against Falcons. one against Panthers, Lions. I, I don't, I don't know the any. I, I would say the Lions game maybe is is the easiest of those yeah. if I were to predict right now. Um, but anyway, I'm. I'm. I'm we'll see. They go out and they blow out the Panthers this week. We'll feel a heck of a lot better. They go beat the Rams, then they have that big matchup, um, which mind boggles me. Which is good because the Buccaneers have not played well in late games. But I'm still surprised the NFL didn't make that Chiefs game um, a, a nationally televised, you know, Monday night, Thursday night, or or a Sunday night game. But you know what? I'm tired of them. Number one, I don't like staying up late because I'm old and I need my sleep. But also. Um, we yeah, just, just see the call. Buccaneers just haven't played well at night for whatever reason. Bruce Arian said today in his in his press conference that they're gonna have to try and change up their game day, you know, a little bit. Try and get these guys a little bit more ready. He didn't say what they were gonna do exactly, and I don't know what you can do. What are you can do out there and make them run Oklahoma drills at two o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, get them fired up. Fire up, you know. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do, but uh, anyway, that's why he gets paid the big bucks hey guys let's get out of here we want to thank everybody once again for great participation in the chat want to definitely thank matt matera taylor jenkins for joining us today on the pew report do, podcast uh we'll be back again i believe on Wednesday. i should know this john ledyard is yelling right now because i don't remember but uh We will have, he and Scott will be on to preview the Panthers game coming up. And then on Thursday, so that's Wednesday. So Thursday night, uh, John usually has a guest on. And uh, that'll be Thursday uh, in the afternoon or maybe the evening, depending on when his guest is available. So, but here's the deal. If you go and you subscribe and you click on the notifications, we'll tell you when all of those things are going to happen. So you don't have to think about it. Anyway, for Matthew Matera, for Taylor Jenkins, I'm Mark Cook saying we will see you On Wednesday with another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out. Out.